Ronananian. I chuckle when I still talk to people and phone calls and emails and conversations and they replace essentially five, six, seven hundred, a thousand dollars worth of parts and the problem isn't better. I say, why did you pay for a diagnosis? And the answer I always get is, I don't want to spend any money unnecessarily. Fire on the mountain, lightning in the air, golden in The car doctor. You know, the yeah. nylon stuff is good, but I don't think it takes the abuse and the beating, which is why GM and a lot of the other car companies don't do it right from the get-go. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the car doctor. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> 855-560-9900. Charged up and flying. Ready to go this hour. As uh, we're going to solve your car problem. Yes, we are. You pick up the phone. Call me. 855-560-9900. I'll fix it or I'll give you a direction to go. I don't know if that really sounds right. I'm going to tell you where to go. No, I don't want to do that. I'll fix your car, though. That I'll do. Okay, now we got the semantics right. Semantics, semantics, whatever. Um, Cardoctorshow.com is the website. You can find more information about us there. There's also a link if you want a podcast, or maybe maybe you are a podcaster, and we thank you for that. Um, but you can find links at uh, cardoctorshow.com as well as visit us out on Facebook, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Um, you know, all kinds of great stuff going on out there, videos and different things, different repair procedures that we talk about from time to time. And sometimes it's right here on the show. So uh, without any further ado, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go down to Tampa, Florida and talk to Mark, 07 Nissan Sentra. Mark, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. How are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Yeah, um, just... Um on highway speed on my 07 Sentra, um, between 50 and 60 miles per hour under load, uh, uh, it just, there is a vibration on, I feel that like it's more on the right side of the vehicle, and, and indeed the passenger seat, you can see it moving and vibrating, and only under load, because I mean, I can be, let's say a 55, in, and I let go of the accelerate uh, the, the pedal, and it'll stop. And I go back on it, and it'll it'll vibrate, and it, and, and it gets more violently if if I I really get on the gas at that speed, right? Um, but after 60 miles per hour, it just disappears. Are you I, are I, you still applying the the pedal? You know, the accelerator pedal with the same amount of force at at 60 as you are at 70 and 80 and so on, however fast you're going, do you think? Yes. yes. Okay. So... And it doesn't have to be like a super hard on the pedal. It could be lightly, you know, just cruising and going higher in the uh, in the higher miles. Right. But in between 50 and 60. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what, is, what have you done or what has anybody done to try and diagnose this, Mark? Okay, I um, what I've done is I, okay, uh, when I purchased this vehicle about a year ago, and it seems like at the time when I inspected it before I bought it, it that uh, it 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 did have a leaking strut, uh, left front strut. Okay. Right? 
but I, I still purchased it. And maybe a couple of months later, um, that's when I actually replaced the struts, right? The front struts and, uh, both. I replaced both sides. And it seems like it, it was after that that I started noticing that because during my test drive, I don't remember that, uh, noticing that vibration. And I did get it up to speed. Um, did you happen to so, replace a drive axle in this? No, I didn't. And that was, that, uh, but I, I did notice about a couple months ago because I'm, I'm like, this is bothering me. So then I'm like, okay, let me just look in there. And I did notice that the inner boot of the right axle, it's, it has a crack, but it's, it's not leaking uh, because it seems like that doesn't get too much, as I said, you know, turning movement, right? The inner boot and the, and the left side, on the right side. But, right. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but it, it is, so I'm, I guess I might need one. I, I need, uh, I need well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you need one. I'm just curious what you've done. I mean, you know, sometimes, and I say this a lot, sometimes in diagnosing something, tell me what's good. Tell me what it's not. And that can, that can eliminate an awful lot of things quickly right. to get you down to the middle. You know, the, you want to get to the middle of any diagnosis, Okay. You know, um, it's, maybe it's a bad analogy, but, you know, in the Pacific during World War II, they didn't stop and fight at every island, right? They hopscotched. They went from, you know, this island to the middle of the Pacific to the northern Pacific. They tried to get around the enemy as fast as they could, as quickly as they could for the least, using the least amount of resources. Same thing with the diagnosis. You want to get to the middle of the diagnosis and the end of the diagnosis as fast as possible. I don't want to test everything, but I want to know, you know, I, test the good stuff. So I, did, I you, did, do, did you did you try rotating the tires just, just for giggles, just to sit there and say it's not in the tire and wheel? Yes, yes, I did. I, also, I, actually, I actually, I did end up getting two tires because I, Usually, because I don't feel it on my on the steering wheel, right? Not right. at all. Right. I don't feel it. So then I I figure, okay, maybe it's the real wheel. The real tires are getting bad, and they were getting bad. So right. I replaced them, but I, it's still there, right? And um, and I did rotate tires, and I actually did um, and I did balance them again, right? All of them. Um, and the the other thing I did is I used the the donut. Uh, you know the, the emergency tire, and in each position, and drove it just to see if there was one individual tire that was doing it, right? And in and, and, and the same thing. Well, okay. So now we know we know we've eliminated tires and wheels. Okay, so because so, right. you, you've rotated them, you've checked the balance on all of them. And I'm sure you rechecked the balance. And when you went back and checked the balance the second time, they all balanced within a quarter ounce of, of, of what you had, correct? Correct. Okay. So we, and that's important not to miss that step because I have seen tires, and it's an issue in the country today that there's a lot of poor quality tires out there, offshore Chinese junk in plain English that right. the, the belts start to wiggle and move and, and create some balance issues where 
you'll come back to the tire three times and have four different weights almost. It seems you're, 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 you're scratching your head like, wait a minute, it, it was fine two weeks ago. What's different? And then you start to look at the, the, the tread and you follow the contours of the tire and you actually you see the casing start to move. It's getting to the point where, I, well, I, I, I never have sold the cheaper tires, but it's getting to the point where if it's got the cheaper tires on it, I tell somebody right up front, look, you know, if, if this becomes a repeatable balance issue, you're putting tires on it if you want me to work on it. So that's that's fine. We've eliminated that. Um, could it be related to the strut thing? I don't see how. I'm thinking about harmonics. I'm thinking that is the strut too rigid? That would really be reaching. Uh, I, I, I don't see where or why that would be the cause of it. I would be, you know, and that's not to say, as you put, it's not in the steering wheel, it's in the back or it's in the seat. Is it from the rear of the vehicle? All right. So that being said, go ahead. Yeah, one thing that I haven't done and I'm supposed to do after I replace the struts, right? It's alignment. Could it? Could could that be that I that it, would? I'm not saying it's impossible, impossible, Mark. But I like the way you're thinking because you're telling me what's good, and telling right. me what's good eliminates the possibilities. The fact that it only does it under load, though tells me right. that it's got to be from the front of the vehicle, not the rear. Here's what you mm -hmm. could do. Get it up to 60 miles an hour, get the vibration to happen, put it in mm -hmm. neutral. Don't put it don't don't put it in reverse at 60, whatever you do. Put it in neutral, brother, right? And if you're if you're okay. if if you're coasting in neutral, you know, and find a quiet stretch of road where because now you're not going to be powered and uh, you know, right, obviously right. that's a problem. You want to find a quiet stretch of road somewhere and just pop it in the neutral and coast. If you're telling me you're rolling along at 58 miles an hour and the car is dead smooth, it's not the back, it's not the front. It's something under load. It's something load-related. So what's related to that? Well, how are the engine mounts? How's the trans mount? Is there is there a broken dog bone mount on this car? And then, okay. we, then we've got to think about, you know, what's the possibility of it being an axle or a transmission? Do I okay, have a, well, do, do I have a potential bad axle? Does the car pull under acceleration? Um, I I don't think so. No, but okay. Since you mentioned the mount, okay, that's I, I like that direction too because I did replace the dog bone. I, I didn't I didn't think it was related, but be, only because I heard I was hearing like a little rattle. Right, and I, I, when the engine is in idle, and I replaced the dog, the dog one, and the rattle went away, but it came back. Right, and and I assume, and, and especially when it's in when I'm in drive, right, and and I'm in a stoplight, and but then as soon as I let go of the brake to go and accelerate off of a stoplight, then then the rattle goes away. So I'm not sure if maybe the tra the transmission mount is bad. Well, and I need to you know that. the issue there becomes on an older vehicle. High mileage on this, Marco. Over 100, yeah, 107. You know, higher mileage older vehicle, if one mount is bad, usually there's another one, too. You know, right. you know, engine, engine mounts are, are, are like grapes. They all come in bunches, and it seems like they all fail together. So, it, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's, it's try it in reverse, try it in drive, wiggle, jiggle, look. Does anything look like it's sagging? You know, you may want to just try and get a shot. It'd be nice if you could get the car on a drive-on lift and look at the angle 
of the drive shaft axles coming out of the front. If one looks like it's dipped at a deeper angle than the one on the other side, then something's causing that to, you know, it's, it's the technical uh, word is angularity inequality, all right? And if, if, if one side of the transfer engine is dipped or pulled higher or lower than the other, that, that angular difference, and I'm talking substantial, not one or two degrees, and that's an indication of A, 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 a mount or an engine structure or, or vehicle structure issue, um, that angular ingula- uh, angular irregularity, whew, say that three times fast, um, can cause a vibration because you're looking for something that's getting twisted under load. Um, and then last, as long as we've got it up in the air, look at the axles. Do they look original? You know, there, there are some issues with lesser quality aftermarket axles where they bottom out and they'll transmit vibration through the car that'll make your fillings fall out of your teeth. So you got some homework to do. Tell me what's good. I'll tell you what's bad. But you keep me posted, Marco, and we can we'll, we'll fix this car in the next week or so. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. I have to be somebody. Coming back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Tom in Wisconsin. Tom, have you called about this problem in the past? I sent you an email. I, I tried calling, but okay. couldn't get through at the time. Well, it, it, it sounds familiar. Tell everybody what's going on here. Uh, we had just purchased a truck for my son. And he came home, and uh, there were strands of, like, fiberglass coming out of the tailpipe. I'd never heard of that before. I think the muffler's coming apart. You know, the, the, okay. muff, the mufflers have sound insulation in them. So, you know, back in the days, remember glass pack mufflers? Well, <laughs> you know, that was, that was kind of the idea. It was fiberglass insulation, you know, a million years ago when, 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 okay. when cars were very different. So is it is it a heavy volume of material? Uh, not not really. There was just like a real thin strand, like about ten feet, and he said that's all that's come out of it. Right. But you know, I kind of googled it, and there was, it looked like it was a bunch wrapped in the muffler. But I was curious on why it was coming out of the tailpipe. Yeah, it sounds it's not, it sounds like the muffler is is failing internally. So okay. you know, you may want to crawl under the truck and take a look how does the how does the exhaust actually look if the exhaust is starting to rust really bad and i'm not saying just surface rust if the exhaust is starting to rust on the inside then it's a sure bet it's rusting on the ins uh, on the outside i'm sorry it's then it's a sure bet it's rusting on the inside and it, it's sure. starting to degrade and fall apart does it sound any louder than when you first purchased it he said no i haven't really right. drove it myself so. right you know there's there's no harm in it all right, it is kind of weird. I get you. I give you that, but there's no harm in it until, and here's the until, uh, you know, if it actually starts to collapse internally to the point that it, it you know, it, it gets to be large enough that it actually blocks the uh, exhaust of the muffler, then it's going to cause back pressure to build up, and the car really won't run right. It won't accelerate. It won't have power. It, you know, and it'll be wherever it is. There you are if you know what I'm saying. So, you know, I would keep an eye on it, and maybe you want to go talk to an exhaust guy. Um, You know, one thing to keep in mind, you're in Wisconsin. If it's a Wisconsin truck, you know, lots of snow, lots of, you know, 
ice, right, and lots, lots of chemical right. to remove the ice. What does it look like under the vehicle in terms of how well is everything holding up? And if it's, yeah, you know, what are we, we're seven years old here. Maybe it's time yeah. to put exhaust on it. You may want to consider, which is where I'm trying to go with this conversation, you may want to consider using a performance exhaust, at least let the truck breathe a little better. And, you know, you'll probably find that aftermarket exhaust from one of the companies is going to be either stainless steel or aluminized, so it won't rust out as quick as some of the other, you know, regular standard type of exhaust systems that you can replace parts with nowadays. Alrighty. All right, sir. Well, we'll get under and take a look, then. Yeah, and take a careful look. Look at the hangers. You know, look at everything. The hangers, the flanges, the couplings where things come together. But, you know, if that was a catalytic converter, catalytic converter, it would be pedal, a pebble. It would be a hard, rocky, you know, like substrate, like, like a lava flow that got hard. It would be like rock. You know, fiberglass like that, the only place I know of that it's there is either in a resonator or in the muffler itself, which means it's failing internally and starting to come apart, and it's just going to get loud one day. Okay. All right? Well, thanks for your help. You're welcome. You take good care, Tom. Let's get on over and talk to Dodge in Delaware 14 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, Dodge. Yeah, my question was, I'm switching out the battery. I want to save the memory. Can I use my battery charger to save the memory when I disconnect my old battery? I've heard of people doing it. I don't like it, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're really counting on it to work, if you hit the cable and knock the clamp off, that's a problem. You're going to lose memory, number one. Number two, if you're not careful with the positive cable and it accidentally grounds and everything's live at that point, you know, you could hurt things that are on the line, you know, whether it be a computer right. or a well, component. The, ba the battery charger would be attached under the hood. The battery's actually under the front seat. Okay. Then, yeah, there's a reasonable chance that will work. I see I see no reason why not. All right. Um, it also depends, though, uh, what cables they have going to the positive cables. It's strictly just a positive feed. And I guess I would have to look at a wiring diagram and say, how do they feed power from the battery? Does it just go to the starter and they pull hot from somewhere else? So perhaps a memory saver is the better way to go because that's safer. We know the vehicle's wired for that. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. the car doctor let's get over and talk to nancy in maryland 08 honda civic nancy welcome to the car doctor how can i help oh hi, hi. It, hi. it was a honda fit i talked to you about a few weeks ago because i had the alternator replaced and um the radio started started to act strangely and nobody right. could figure out why okay um i would turn the radio on and like it would run for like a minute and then shut off well one day i just kept trying i was getting ready to have the bat the radio replaced and I just turned it on, and it didn't go off. And it's been fine ever since. Isn't that weird? Yeah, Honda does some strange things. That's like, you know what, you'll use a memory saver on late model Hondas, you know, if you're replacing the battery. And you, mm. will, you will plug in a memory saver to the OBD2 port under the dashboard. And you're doing it right. You're doing it the way you're supposed to, to save memory. And you'll end up with a vehicle that doesn't start because it blows fuse number 23 in the underhood fuse box. It's well, I actually had a guy check that, and the fuse was fine. Right. And he did plug in something under the dashboard, 
and I was going to order a radio. And in between that time, it just started playing normally again. It's yeah, odd. It's but I wanted to ask you about something else that's doing funny right now. Sure, too funny. I haven't had it looked at yet. Uh, it's an 08 Honda Fit, as I said. And um, it's got about 70,000 miles on it. And um, when I first start out, while the engine is cold and maybe just a little bit beyond that, there, it makes a chirping sound. Chirp, chirp, chirp. And it's only when I accelerate. If I just brake or take my foot off the gas, the chirping stops. But and it only happens when it's cold. When I first start out, after it's been running, you know, driving a few minutes, the chirp is gone. Okay. So I was just wondering what you thought that might be. Well, the the easy one is, you know, obviously, could this be a belt under load that's that's you know coming due, and you know you're you're applying load to it, and it just it just happens to make noise. The hard one is. Is it not because of the load of the engine is under, but the position? Do we have a mount problem? Do we have an engine mount that's starting to become an issue, uh, creating a vibration and a chirp, 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 chirp? So is it is it duplicatable? Can somebody you know duplicate it by driving the car? I'm sure they could because it happens just about every single time. Well, then I think you know let them let them diagnose it. It may be a case where they've got to power break it or go for a road test. And you know, sounds are funny things. Being there on the scene. At least you know you've got more of a sense of where it is and where it's coming from. We had a uh-huh. um, we had an uh, what was it? It was a 2003 Honda CRV. No, I'm sorry, an 06 Honda CRV this week that had sat since January. The owner was um, in the hospital, sick, and they it took them a while to recover. And they hadn't driven the car in what was it, six months? And it uh-huh. it, it came to me. Uh, it was in my rack this week, and the description was: vehicle sounds like a helicopter. And I went, hmm. And I, I walked around, and there was no propellers on it, and there was no blades on it. And I said, well, it's not a helicopter, so it's got to be a reason. And I took it for a ride, and it really didn't make the noise. And I went, huh, look at that. Like, you know, it's it's the symptom's not there. How often does that happen? And um, then I went to stop. And when I went to stop, you heard, you know, I said, gee, it kind of sounds like a helicopter. <laughs> the, um, okay. the, the the brake rotors had rusted from sitting to the point that it just, and then all of a sudden it made sense. So we we ended up having to do four-wheel brakes. The pads were okay, but they were so badly decayed from sitting that it just didn't pay to take everything apart, do rotors with no pads. But, uh, you know, yeah. sounds, are, sounds are interesting to say the least, but it just takes a little bit of thought. So I would say, you know, can the shop duplicate it? And then, you well, know. I, I'm not sure that I can. I, I guess I misunderstood your question. What The chirping only happens. The first time I try to take the car out in, in the morning or whenever I leave the house. Okay. I can go to a restaurant, sit there for three or better hours, watch a, a you know a sports game or something. And when I come out to go home, the car's been sitting a couple hours, no chirp. So it's only very first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. How long has it been doing it? Uh, about three, four weeks. Okay. So... It's still summer, right? Yeah. The question will be if we do it in December or January, when waiting three, four hours is going to take on a whole new meaning of cold. Oh. Right? Right. Right. You know, it's going to be a lot colder in December than it is now, hopefully. And, oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and at that point, it's it's got to be a temperature-related thing. So perhaps okay. if you want to get it fixed now, you can drop it off to the mechanic the night before. And you know, and listen, if you trust the mechanic and he's your regular guy, say, hey, listen, do you want to do you want to drive it home? 
Um, well, that's not that. Well, it, I guess the guy that I've found is okay. I'm new to the area. Right. Um, I used to live three hours from here. Right. So um, I, you know, this is a new guy for me. I don't really know anything about him. Right. So, well, you know what? We're going to find out what he's made of. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's okay. Uh, you know what? Sometimes the best mechanics are the ones you find you sort of stumble across that you didn't right. realize, was, realize what was there. Um, right. One of the things I've learned in life, and it took me a while to learn it, was that, you know, it's that old theory about empty drums make the most noise. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the mechanic you go into that's just quietly working in the corner, he's probably the best yep. mechanic of all because he doesn't have to tell you how good he is. He knows how good he is. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's yeah. a lot, there's yeah. a lot there's, to be said for that. His job is an obscure little tucked away side room yeah. kind and of that's, thing. You know, that's, yeah, yeah he, doesn't, he doesn't need to live by the flash and the frills. He's, um, right. he's sort of, you know, it's... Um, well, that's good. That makes me feel better. So, of course, that's coming from the guy who's got the national spotlight, but, I, you know, I never, I never tell anybody that, you know. I'm going to see, listen, I'm going to see if I can make it to Cape Cod this week because we're uh, going to go take a trip for a couple of days. I'm going to make sure I, you know, go up there and discreetly wearing black T-shirts so nobody knows who I am. Um, there you go. But we'll see. So, hey, listen, as all always, right. I appreciate talking to you, Nancy, and uh, if the Honda has any other issues, you give us a call, all right? I will. Thank you, Ron. You're very, you're very welcome. You take good care. Um, Hondas. Where was I? It was the funniest thing. Somebody, somebody had a problem with their Honda, and they were all upset. And I had to explain to them what Honda meant. And I just kind of floored them, and it, I left the room. And they were like, "Yeah, he's right. Had one, never did again." You know, it was just <laughs> they're like, "I understand that now." So it's um, uh, I just you know. Um, interestingly, and I want to just touch on this real quick before we go to pull over. Um, there's something going on. There's something going on with cars. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Hyundai, Kia, Ford. Ford's got an issue. Honda. Toyota, not as much, but they did up until about a year, eight months ago. Engine issues. All sorts of engine failures, oil consumption, um, not across the board, certain models. Uh, Ford's got the problem with the Escape that they're dealing with and they're taking care of. Uh, Honda's got a problem. Honda's got a big problem with the CRVs that they're they're having oil consumption issues. And I'm getting a few customers now where the engines are running out of oil because the people aren't. Here's the problem with that longer oil change thing, right? Everybody gets in the habit of not checking their oil and going longer on oil changes. And all of a sudden they run the car out of oil and it's like a oops. And um, I, I, we had a customer this week with a 2012 Hyundai Sonata, all right, uh, 90,000 miles, well-maintained, the father's car, father passed. Unfortunately, they gave it to the daughter, and the, the son-in-law brought it into us. And um, can you come out listen to my car? It's making this funny noise. Here we are with the noise thing again, right? And you go outside and you hear knock, 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 you know, um, my my my. My dog could tell you that it's got a bad rod knock, um, you know, and you go through the bulletin pile and the recall pile, and sure enough, Hyundai's got an extended warranty, and they're having a problem, and it's a 35-page bulletin about how to check for engine noise. Well, I don't know. I kind of went out there, and I heard knock, 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 knock. I knew something was up. It didn't sound kosher to me. Um, but the point is the value and the essential need for doing proper oil changes using a good quality filter is really really coming to coming to a head they've they've uh, you know fortunately for the Hyundai owner this week he took it into Hyundai and yeah it's under warranty and 
Um, he said the service writer sounded very, he didn't use the word knowledgeable. It was something like um, aware. Uh, and he didn't want to argue with me. Like, they're getting a lot of these. And I said, yeah. I said, this is like the fourth one I've seen in two months. Hyundai Kia is this one particular or two particular engines. They're, uh, they're putting engines in cars. So um, it's amazing. It always boggles my mind when we can't, you know, it's kind of like making a railroad track. I'm waiting to hear when we can't make railroad tracks anymore. You know, it's like we've only been doing it for, what, 150 years? You know, we can't make railroad tracks anymore. We can't build an engine anymore because, you know, we've only been doing that since 1902. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's cruising back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of The Car Doctor. By the way, you know, Mikey, Alexa died in the studio today. Just like that. Um, let's see if Alexa works. Yeah, look, Alexa's not working. So what's going to happen? I was thinking about this with connected cars, right? That what's going to happen when we're counting on the Internet to connect to the car to guide it? Does that mean that the self-driving car stops? You know, when the Internet goes down, I don't want to say her name again, but when hmm, loses connection, she stops working. All right? So when the connected car loses connection... I wonder, they must have a way to override that because I'm definitely not smart enough to have thought of that all. I can't be the first guy to think of that. Uh, you know, I wonder what sort of redundancy packages they've, they've... Oh, my God. Let's get over to Isaac in Minnesota. Isaac, welcome to the car doctor, sir. What's going on? Hey, Ron. I got a 97 Toyota Camry four-cylinder and uh, having some cruise control... I don't really want to say issues. The cruise control works fine. But, you know, I can set it, resume. Yeah. The only issue is when I go when I like go down or go down to a sort of a, a descent, the car maintains speed, but not in a very smooth manner. So it'll maintain speed, but it's almost like a pulsation of a jerking motion to, to ensure that you know I'm not speeding up, rather than a gradual, you know, maintaining of speed. It's and I got <clears throat> two codes. I don't have a check engine light, but I scanned it just to see if anything popped up. I had one that was P0505 for the idle air control. Right. And then one P04, yeah, P0401 for insufficient flow, EGR. And, yeah, I, I didn't know if that would be related. Um, I did go through and clean out the throttle body. You know, I replaced some of the vacuum hoses because some of those looked obviously a little weathered. Um, and it seems to things have cleared up a little bit. I, I get a better idle and such, but I'm still getting that sort of that rough adjustment when going downhill utilizing the cruise control. Do you, if you clear the codes, do they come back? Yeah. Yep. Because I, I, I took it to O'Reilly. They pulled them for me and I asked them, hey, clear them out. And then I waited about a month. I went back there. Um, and again, no check engine light, but went back. They pulled it. Same two came back up. Just just for giggles, when you turn the key on but the engine's off, does the check engine light light up? Uh, I believe it does. It better. You're looking now, I assume? Yeah, hang on a minute. Let me, because you're on Bluetooth, so let me... Uh-oh. All right, Dum-da-dum-dum. Well, does it light up? You know what? I'm not seeing it lighting up, no. Okay. So now we know why the light's not on. <clears throat> I guess so, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. That makes sense, right? 
So, because the light's got to come on, brother. So that means somebody fixed the car by, well, they were out of electrical tape that day. So maybe the bulb is missing. Or maybe the bulb burnt out because the light was on for so long. Are you the original owner on the car, or did you purchase it recently? No, I got it back in April. Uh, four months. Right. Yep. Right. So, you know, has it always has it always kind of bucked and done what you're describing? I mean, only in that instance. And I know the guy that I purchased it from, since I'm up north, the body's in really good shape. Right. And apparently they put a new engine transmission into it because the former owner, you know, engine transmission went out. So the, apparently this engine transmission has 140 on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, but um, regardless, just, just, but here's, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. If this has been doing it continuously, um, you know, this could have a bad cruise control actuator. And there are some tests you can measure clutch resistance. It's got to be like 34 to 40 ohms, and you can go through all that. I'd solve the EGR and the um, uh, idle control circuit fault first, do some basic diagnosis there, because come inspection time, that car is never going to pass state inspection. And that's a bigger issue, because it's got, a, it's got an emissions fault, and it's going to have a check engine light on. So take it to a mechanic or take the dash apart. Is it missing a bulb? Is the bulb burnt out? Do we have another electrical issue? Let's get the bulb in there. Let's make sure the light works and functions, and then we can talk about the rest of the codes. 855-560-9900. I'm coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car, Dr. Tom in Maryland, 97 Honda CRV. Go, Tom. I got two minutes. Oh, okay, well, what it is, my mechanics checked it twice, a couple of times. I have a 97 CRV, 218,000 original miles on it. Um, the rear wheel, it's, I thought it was a, a wheel bearing. Or, he said no. He, he went into it and took the, everything off. It's a drum brake. And there was rust in there, and he actually showed me piles of rust. So he cleaned it all up and all. And when it's going down the road, it, it'll, when you uh, start out, it, you'll know, hear beep, 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 like kind of, like it's scraping. And then it'll get louder, and then when you get a high speed, you won't hear it. When you slow down and start to brake, and, and after you, you're starting to brake, you'll hear it. It just kind of it go. It sounds like it's something scraping. Right. But he's going in, checked. It. He said it doesn't need the brakes. It doesn't need the, the drum is good. He's cleaned all of it, all the rust. Well, stuff but, out. It, he said, but it, it's you know. So let's do this. Let's take the drums off. Let's paint the area where the contact. Because if I remember right, the the drum is double lipped. And the backing plate right, he did paint between it. the lips. Okay. He did paint it. He told me he painted it. He said maybe that would help. And I think it did for a little while. Well, but, but, but no, I was, was, was going to say, Tom, I was going to say paint it, drive it, take the drum off, look for the wear mark. Is there a shiny silver spot? If there's a shiny silver spot, the drum is showing you where the, where the hit is. But if it's from the rear and it's got rust on it, very common that uh, as the drums start to age and fall apart, that it will be an issue. So try painting it. You're dyeing it, marking it, and looking for the spot, when you, uh, and you'll know what to do from there. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.